The scripture passage today comes from the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 40. Uh, and uh, the words in this part of the scripture are echoed in the New Testament uh, around the time of the call of John the Baptist. Listen for the word of the Lord. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places made a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out like the heavens, like a curtain, and spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught, and makes rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely had their stem taken root in the earth when he blows upon them and they wither, and their tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them all by name. Because he is great in strength, mighty in power, not one is missing. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, as uh, I and the worship team put together our worship experiences every week, we try to weave together a tapestry that tells a story with the threads going in and out and words and themes uh, appearing again and again in scripture and sermon and song uh, in the in the liturgy uh, at, at our best it is a, a tapestry that explores deeply different themes each week and really at our best one week to another kind of tells this ongoing story uh, but I have to say, um, how do you tie together uh, one week where you have a 75th anniversary celebration with, uh, with all these marvelous uh, experiences and, uh, and not to mention 30 men in kilts, right? <clears throat> how do you tie that together with the first Sunday in Advent, which is about darkness and gloom and somber tones, Tying the two of those uh, together is, is just about impossible unless you tell the story of the old Scott. <laughs> the old Scott's 110 years old. He's on his deathbed. His family's gathered around him. He only has a few minutes left. He beckons to his eldest grandson to, to come near. The old Scott reaches into the bedside table and opens a drawer and brings out a solid gold watch, ornate and 
beautiful and, and puts it in his grandson's hand and says haltingly, Laddie, Laddie, how would you like? How would you like to buy a good watch? Watch is the word that brings us to this week. You see, Advent begins in the darkness. It speaks to people in despair to give a sense of authentic hope in a world that desperately needs authentic hope. I say authentic because it is so often that people are given a false sense of hope. Images mean not substance that has all the depth of a motivational poster. Platitudes like the saying, it's always darkest just before dawn. No, sometimes it is darkest just before it goes pitch black. I had a photographer friend, uh, he got a, took a famous photo in Alaska of a salmon swimming upstream in a waterfall. The salmon made this heroic leap up to the top of the waterfall right into the open mouth of a grizzly bear. Turned into a poster that said, the journey of a thousand miles sometimes ends very badly. Sometimes it really is darkest just before it goes pitch black. Advent is for those moments. Those moments when we, we really have to laugh about some things because otherwise we would spend far too much time in tears. I was at the Modern Art Museum in Cranbrook. What a marvelous, what a marvelous gift to the community. Uh, my daughter and I were looking in, uh, at it this week and, and uh, I saw that there's one artistic piece there that, that really struck me. It's a, it's a pyramid of... I'm sorry, something's going on here. I try not to move so much. It's a pyramid of books uh, that uh, are stacked on top of each other and it must be about eight feet wide at its base and almost eight feet high at, it, at the top of the pyramid. Um, and it's each and every one of these different books is a book from a different time in history, each one predicting the exact time and circumstances of the end of the world. People believe these guys. People have fallen for false hopes. People have staked, uh, staked their fortunes, their reputations, their lives on what these people have said. And the others who predicted it often cynically made a fortune off of these other people. It leaves them more cynical. We live in an age of despair. People look for easy answers and turn to false prophets like talk radio or internet conspiracy theories. The inability to deal with the world they live in happens when they hear this sense of false hope they turn to simple, easy answers, and despair runs rampant. And people can move from, from a loss of heart into a perpetual state of despair. 
700 years ago, the poet Dante wrote uh, at, at the beginning of the Inferno, you know, the, the Inferno the, that has the sign over the, 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 uh, the entrance, uh, abandon hope, all you who enter here. But outside of the gates of the Inferno, it looks like there's a, a cloud of gnats that are following a flag. They're moving this way and that and this way and again, all over the place, never resting. And these are the people, Dante says, whose souls are blown about by every gust of wind, by every new idea, by every platitude, or we would say every conspiracy theory. Souls that have no substance because they are looking for easy answers in a world of despair. Modern psychology has studied despair and still has much to learn. There's one classic experiment. You couldn't do this anymore, thank goodness. They shouldn't do it, but, but they, they, they took a dog cage and they divided it in half with a small wall in between that the dog could jump over. And they put uh, a mild electric shock under one half of the cave, and every time they, they shocked one half of the cave, the dog would hop over the wall uh, to escape the pain. Uh, well, what ended up happening was that they, uh, after they had taught the dog to do this, then they, then they made the wall so high that the dog couldn't jump over it. And pretty soon the dog just laid there and whimpered and took the pain. But the really troubling thing was after time, they took the wall out and the dog, would, the dog would no longer jump. The dog would no longer jump, it would just stay there. It had learned despair. Have you ever looked what happens to people who are in prison, who have no hope? They learn despair over time. And we know other people who may look like they're not in prison, but their lives just keep on feeling like there's nothing that they can do, and so they have no hope. We see what's happening in Ukraine, and it's so troubling, the country that went from this beautiful, thriving, modern culture, but with the will of one powerful despot, it turns into vast paths of destruction and you wonder how many people will end up in despair over that. It's a wake-up call, Advent. Advent's a wake-up call to, to say how can we help people recognize the despair that they are in, encountering and how can we help them to move away from the edge of darkness. More gun violence in, in a couple incidents yet again this week. And, and how many people are stuck feeling like, well, there's nothing we really can do. Really? Isn't that an image of despair? We live on the edge of darkness and the edge of despair, where when you lose hope, you lose your heart, and you really can lose your humanity. The truth be told, we're all threatened by despair at, at times in our life. The rhyme of the ancient mariner said it uh, so well in that poem, I looked to the heaven and tried to pray, but where'er a prayer had gushed, a wicked whisper came and made my heart as dry as dust. My heart as dry as dust. A witness to how easy it is to live on the edge of despair. 
But in a world like that, there comes the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah who witnesses to another reality. I wish I could say that Isaiah gave a clear clarion call for easy hope, but that's not what is given there. In fact, in the whole whole Hebrew Bible, the word hope is not found, not in the Hebrew. There is no one word that translates into hope. Instead, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, it is implied. Implied with other words like expect, have confidence, find your refuge, trust. Hope is implied. It's almost as if these authors were not saying it out loud, but instead only whisper hope. Isn't that a more realistic sort of way of thinking about it? The Bible says wait and hope. Expect and hope. Be confident and hope. Trust in the Lord hope. Whispers of hope are all over the place. Hope is subtle and quiet and pervasive and powerful. Hope comes from walking the walk of faith, from trusting that God is in charge, from expecting the future in God's grace, from having confidence in God's faithfulness, and trusting in God's love. The prophet Malachi speaks in his whispers of hope when he talks about about the coming of the Lord like a refining fire to live with faith in the midst of a world that seems to be defined by despair. The hope of the Lord comes along to give a new way of living. You see it in the stories of people of faith throughout history. In the third century of the Christian church, the Roman emperor Valerian, with all his power, ordered the archdeacon Lorenzo to bring him all the wealth of the church. To bring him all the wealth of the church, and he was expecting mountains of gold and silver. Archdeacon Lorenzo did comply to bring the wealth of the church, but what he did was march in the blind and the sick and the lame and the poor, And he said, this is the wealth of our church. The archdeacon lifted up the lowly and brought down the emperor's ego. It cost Lorenzo his life, but his witness has never been forgotten. And it still whispers to us the courage of people of hope that the principalities and powers of the world, for all their mountains of, of supposed power, will be brought down. The low places lifted up, the low peoples lifted up. Watch, the scripture says. Watch, look, as people of authentic hope, not easy hope, but authentic hope. As Walter Brueggemann puts it, hope is the resilient conviction that our life is related to an overall purpose that prevails. Overall purpose that prevails. Hope knows that what we do matters. 
hope sees that what we do is not ever forgotten. Hope perceives that what we do now is tied to the never-ending meaning that God gives to us. So Advent begins in a world of cynical despair. Advent begins with the call, watch, watch. As the hymn we're about to sing says, in the bleak midwinter, frosty wind made moan, earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone. The hymn knows about a world of despair, and yet in the midst of the despair come these images of hope that Christ gives to us. Exactly how it's going to come, we do not know, but we do know that Christ is coming and that in Christ's presence, all things are possible. So watch to see the surprising things that God will do. Don't expect big, easy things. Look for the subtle, smaller things. Every one of us needs the hope that only God can give. Our spiritual practice is to practice being people who watch, who pay attention, who listen for the whispers of hope that God gives to us. Advent begins at the edge of gloom, the edge of darkness. So what do we do in the darkness? I'd like to conclude today with a poem by Marilyn Chandler McIntyre that is aptly titled, What to Do in the Darkness. What to do in the darkness? Go slowly. Consent to it, but do not wallow in it. Know it as a place of germination and growth. Take an outstretched hand if you find one. Exercise unused senses. Find the path by walking it. Practice trust. Watch or dawn. Amen.